Good morning, Forest Park. Great to see you guys today. You know, these, uh, these last two years have been difficult, haven't they? Two, week, two years ago, this past week, everything seemed pretty normal. What kind of world was moving on? Everybody going to school, work, thinking everything was just going to kind of keep moving. And then all of a sudden, everything shut down and entered into all the restrictions and the pandemic. I mean, it's been a tough two years. Beyond the horrors of people dying, we experienced loss of community, loss of momentum, loss of jobs, even loss of friends. And I think it's going to take years for us to assess the negative impact this pandemic had on our relationships, education, economy, spirituality, on and on. And if you were with us last week as we kicked the series off, you remember I said one of the casualties of this past, these past two years has been our ability to dream. Let's kind of press pause on dreaming. You know, collectively, we're just not dreaming as before. We're not as hopeful as we used to be when we awakened in the mornings. We're not as excited about the future. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. We've settled. We're sluggish. Now, folks, no judgment from me, I promise. I have no criticism. This last season was one of the most difficult seasons I've ever experienced in 25 years of leading. But as we kicked this series off last week and I drove home this particular point, I'm going to do it again today, we can't stay defeated. We can't stay discouraged. We can't stay disillusioned. There is some point that we cross that we got to get up. We got to say, you know what? I'm going to believe tomorrow is better than today. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start hope, being hopeful again. I'm going to start wishing again. I'm going to start praying again. I'm going to start trying again. I'm going to move forward. We got to learn how to dream again. That's what this entire series is about. So last week, we began the series by making several observations about those who dream. And we did so by looking at a story found in Matthew 14 about Jesus and Peter walking on the water. And I worked our way through that story, gave you a lot of the details, kind of the background, etc. And then I made five observations. And if you didn't hear that message, you weren't here, maybe this is your first time at Forest Park or you missed last week for whatever reason, I encourage you to go check it out on our YouTube channel. It's there for free and you can, uh, you can hear the details of these five observations. I'm going to give them to you quickly. They're not going to be on the screen. You can go back and listen to the message when you have time. But here are the five observations we made last week. Number one, dreamers find the greatest opportunities within the most violent storms. Number two, dreamers leave what's secure, face their fears, and risk it all. Number three, dreamers go, even if no one goes with them. Number four, dreamers push through failure and trust the process. And number five, dreamers walk toward what's new while others wait for what's normal. So today, we, we move a little further into what is required to dream again. And I just want, I want you to know, we've already done this once this morning, and uh, I can just tell you we're going to go deep today, okay? We're really going to be reflective and kind of get into to your world and my world and talk about some things. And I want to do so by asking, beginning by asking you a profoundly personal question. And here's the question I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to repeat this several times throughout today's message, because I want you to work your way through answering this question, and here it is. Can you dream beyond your darkest secret? Now, don't look at anyone 
and act as if you don't have any secrets. I know you do. Everybody does. And don't assume that whatever that secret is in someone else's life, it is some grotesque sin because it may not be. Sometimes our secrets aren't what we did or are doing, but what has been done to us or is being done to us. Things we can never imagine, things we would never want to imagine. My question to you is, can you dream beyond it? Some can't. Some remain hostage to the affair, the betrayal, to the friend who hurt them so badly, to the molestation, the failed business, the divorce, the rape, the diagnosis. They are entombed behind hardened walls they built for themselves or others built for them. So my question to you today is can you dream beyond that secret? Can you see the beautiful life beyond it, a rich and meaningful existence beyond the pain and the disappointment of right now? And here's what I want to happen today. I want those of you who feel trapped, who feel condemned, who feel guilty, who feel captive, if that's you, whether you're sitting in this room or you're watching at home or you're driving down the road listening to this message, I want every single person who feels condemned, guilty, trapped, the pressure of a secret, whether they caused that thing to be done or whether someone else has done it to them, whatever it is, if that's you, I want you today when you get out of here to experience fresh air and sunlight and the cool breeze of freedom on your soul. I want when you walk out of this place, I want you to walk out with some hope. When you pull out of our parking lot today or when you turn off your computer or your TV, I want you to feel the warmth of light again. Because here's what I know. You're beautiful. You are a gift. And you deserve love and hope and a chance to breathe again without the heavy garb of stupid decisions, unwise choices, abusive people, and broken systems. And I want you to know there is good news. I want to go to a story you've heard me tell several times if you've attended FPC for a while. And it's found in John chapter 8. I'm not going to get into all the details of the story. I'll do that at a later time. It's for another message. But today I just want to focus on one part of the story. Actually, only a few words from Jesus at the end of the story. Now, here are the cliff notes to the story, so I'll give you some of the details, which will set up the part that I want to focus on. It's found in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Just listen as I tell you this. There's a woman in the story. We don't know a lot about her. We don't know whether she's married, single, divorced. We don't know if she's a prostitute or an upstanding member of the community. We don't know a lot about her, and it really doesn't matter for whatever Whoever she is, from wherever she's come from, this woman is caught in the act of committing adultery, having sex with someone other than her spouse. And the pious religious men of the community drag this woman out of the bed and toss her in the dirt at the feet of Jesus. And they want to know what Jesus thinks ought to be done with her. Should they let her go, ignoring the justice of Moses, giving them permission to condemn her to death? Or should they take the rocks that they have collected and they are holding in their hands at this moment and throw them out her until she stops breathing, ignoring the mercy of Jesus? So it really comes down to Moses or Jesus, justice or mercy. 
And this is when Jesus gives one of the most famous lines ever uttered. Whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. The Pharisees and teachers of the law thought they had backed Jesus into a corner. But they, he found a, a third way. He didn't ignore the woman's sin, but he didn't condemn her to death for it either. And one by one, the men began to drop their rocks and they began to walk away. And then Jesus walks over to her. And I want you to picture this scene. Don't think of something else right now because you know how the story goes. I want you to get into the story. I want you to feel this. I want you to picture this scene as if it's happening in front of you. Jesus walks over to this woman. She is dirty. She's sweaty. She's frightened. She's trembling in the dust. And he bends down and he says to her, woman, where are they? Is there no one to condemn you? And through her trembling lips and tears streaming down her dusty face, she says, no one, sir. And he says, possibly the most beautiful words ever spoken. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I want to concentrate on that last phrase, go and sin no more. Now, while growing up in churches, and I grew up in church, in fact, there was never a time in my history that I remember not being involved in church. I was there in Sunday school and then Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and special services and revival services and all the things that went with, you know, the culture of church life. I've heard this story expounded on, taught on, preached on possibly a thousand different times throughout my life. That may be somewhat of an exaggeration, but certainly many, many times, more times than I can count. And almost every time when the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or whoever it was that was describing this story would get to this part of the story where Jesus looks at her and says, go and sin no more, the preacher would always emphasize Jesus calling this woman to change her lifestyle, to quit sinning, to repent, basically become a Christian like us, be devout, give up your lifestyle of sin. And then the preacher would rave about how Jesus called her out of her sin. And then he would say something like this, you know, we need more preaching like this today. We need to get back to truth we need to get back to calling people to repentance. And yes, Jesus was merciful, but Jesus also preached holiness. And everybody would say amen. Embarrassingly, for a few years, I thought the same thing. That's the way I thought the story ended. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't jump to any conclusions. I'm not saying Jesus wasn't calling her to leave a life of sleeping with whomever she wanted to sleep with and possibly destroying her marriage and maybe the marriages of other men and bringing untold pain to the fa her family and other people's families and the community. And Jesus certainly was calling her to stop that particular lifestyle that brought her to a place where she is thrown in the dirt and condemned to death. Yes, that happened. But what Jesus says to her in those five words, go and sin no more, is so much more than quit sinning. I want you to keep this in mind. No matter who the person was, no matter what the person did, no matter how depraved a person seemed, Jesus always brought good news. He always offered hope for the despairing, light for darkness, life for death, food for the hungry heart, and water for the thirsty soul. 
So I'm confident what he said to this woman was not soft judgment or sweet condemnation. He was pure grace and pure truth all the time in every situation, in each circumstance. So it's no different here. What he spoke to this woman in the dirt that day was received by her as good news, as hope, as what she needed in the moment. Go and sin no more. How can this be good news? Folks, you know, look, let's just be honest, okay? Any moment of my life, when, when I was at my worst, and when I had blown it the most, I mean, I bombed. I mean, I did something I knew I shouldn't have done. I had an attitude that was horrible. I succumbed to a certain temptation or whatever it was. Someone looking at me in that moment and saying, hey, Scott, don't do that anymore, would not come to me as good news. Of course, I don't want to do this anymore. Whenever you fall and bomb and blow everything up and cause all kinds of havoc and you reap havoc in your life, of course you don't want to do that anymore. And someone looking at you and basically just saying, quit doing that, isn't a lot of good news. So she must have heard something a whole lot more than, hey, lady, go and do differently. We got to hear it the way she must have heard it when Jesus bent down in the dirt that day. She must have heard Jesus say something like this, go for your tomorrow can be much more beautiful than your yesterday. Go. There is an entire life waiting to be explored on the other side of this failure. Get up. Those who judge you and want to condemn you and want to kill you on this street this afternoon are gone. I ran them all away. It's just you and me, and I'm on your side. I have the impression this woman is unhappy with herself, her life, and what led her to this place. I mean, there's no mention of her fighting back. She doesn't argue with the people who have the rocks in their hands, she doesn't appeal. She doesn't even ask about the man with whom she was sleeping. Nothing. She just cowers in the dirt. Maybe she feels trapped. Maybe she feels humiliated. I mean, wouldn't you? If that were you, put yourself in that place. Wouldn't you feel that way? Come on, if your darkest secret was displayed on these three screens this morning for everyone to see, how would you feel? If your thoughts, your conversations, your entertainment choices, your texts, your emails, your gossip sessions, your private sins were broadcast to every person gathered here and watching online, what would you do? If your darkest secrets became public knowledge and people could pick apart every single detail of your deepest sins, how would you respond that's what happened to her, you know? Picture it. She is engaged in sex with someone. She was in bed with someone in the most vulnerable place imaginable, and suddenly people break into the house, and they grab her and drag her out of the house and throw her at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, I think she felt trapped. I think she felt humiliated and probably wished the earth would open up and swallow her whole. And whatever Jesus said to her and how he said it to her saved her. 
compassion, understanding, hope for tomorrow, mercy. Maybe she considered taking her own life. I think I probably would have. And what Jesus gave her was a vision of a future filled with not humiliation, but hope. Not embarrassment, but empathy. Not shame, but salvation. Go and sin no more. So my question is, can you dream beyond your darkest secret? Now let's get into the thick of this, okay? I want to give you a warning, and I want you to listen to me very carefully because this is going to apply to some of you sitting here. It's going to apply to a few of you watching online. A few of you won't move toward the light until you're exposed. You won't. I hate it, but it's reality. I've done this a long time. I've counseled people. I know how humans are. I am one. Some of us, We'll keep going the direction we're going until we crash and burn. Just the way we are. Just like this woman. She may have been having sex with a lot of people before she was exposed. I don't know. All we know for certain is she was caught, she was exposed, and she was condemned for this particular behavior. Now, here's my hope. I hope you're not exposed. I hope you turn and walk in a new direction and never bring condemnation, never bring pain, never bring misery or embarrassment into your life and into the lives of the people who love you. That's my hope. And the only exception I make to that are for those who are violating other people, hurting other people. You need to be exposed for the sake of those you are hurting and for the sake of those who need healing. And what you're doing to them is horrible. I hope you are exposed for that. But the rest of us, I hope you're not exposed. I hope you change direction. Because it is better to change now than to end up in the middle of the street with a bunch of mean-spirited church people tossing rocks in their hands. Now let's get practical. Your darkest secret does not define all of you but it does affect all of you. You see, the reality is whatever it is that you think is secret, it's not really as secret as you think it is. In fact, most of the time, whatever it is that either you've done, are doing, or has been done to you, or is being done to you, is affecting you in places you cannot even imagine. And it is affecting all kinds of not only you, but the people around you. And you think that you're keeping it hidden. You're not. Your secret's affecting relationships without you even realizing it. Your work performance, intimacy, spiritual growth, the health of your children, the future of your marriage, the future of your mind and heart and soul and mental health. It's bleeding onto everything. It's not really a secret you think it is, but it isn't. But as bad as all that is, your secret is not all of you. For instance, those of you who have a child or a grandchild and you tell her, sweetheart, do not get any more cookies. You've had enough. And while you're distracted, she pushes the chair up to the counter and climbs up and gets one more cookie. The taking of the cookie, opposite of what you told her, is not all she is. Yes, she went against your rule. Yes, she contradicted what you said. Yes, she disobeyed your command. But it is far from all she is. 
Maybe she's innovative. Maybe she's competent. Maybe she's a natural-born leader and a revolutionary. Don't assume because she defied what you said about a cookie that she's a liar and she's disobedient and she's bad seed. We're the ones who come up with all these rules about cookies. She simply wanted a cookie and thought your rule was silly. So your secret? Those reaping negative effects in your life? It's not all of you. You are so much more than your secret, but it does affect all of you. Another thought is your darkest secret is more than likely connected to a wound, and you need healing. Now, I'm going to address a particular subject, and some of this is really going to speak to a few of you. Others of you are going to go, I didn't grow up in that kind of culture, so I don't even know what you're talking about. But for the handful of you who know exactly what I'm talking about, it's going to speak to you. It's possible some of you were exposed to churches who act as if what you need is just special prayer. Whatever that thing is, whatever that addiction is, whatever that bondage is, whatever that, you know, abuse in the past is, whatever it is that's affecting you in all these different ways, you just need a a magical prayer and then something will happen and that thing will just leave and you won't struggle with it anymore. Or maybe you need a special preacher to come through and that special preacher will pray a super duper prayer of faith and all of a sudden you'll just be delivered and you won't struggle with that thing anymore. No. No. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. There's a certain kind of religion that promotes magic prayers and religious superheroes. They don't wear capes. They might wear suits, but they don't wear capes. And it's, it's, it's people who believe in almost like spells and incantations and breaking curses, kind of Harry Potter stuff, Jesus on the end. That's how I grew up. That's what I believed. I kept battling these things that had been done to me and some of the things that I had done and I thought all of it could just come up front and somebody would pray for me and all of it would be lifted and all of it would be gone and I'd be a new person and then I would go out and I would be a new person for an hour or two or a few days. All that stuff would come back. The nightmares would return. The anxiety and depression would be there. The regrets and the pain would all still be there. And I'd, okay, I need somebody else to pray for me again. I need some kind of deliverance. I need some kind of healing. I'd go to this special service and that special prayer line and that special person over there who promises to have this gift of whatever. I had no idea. The wounds inside of me were deep, deep. They needed to be exposed. They needed to come out. I needed to be honest. I needed to bring them into the light. I needed to lay them down. And Jesus needed to slowly heal me. And people needed to slowly heal me. And I needed the body life. And I needed truth. And I needed all kinds of lies rooted out of me. And it was a process of time, deep healing. That's what you need. You need healing for your mind, for your memories, for your confidence, for your past, for your marriage, for your kids. So how do you dream beyond your darkest secret? Let's let's return to what Jesus says to the woman. Go and sin no more. And I want to break that down for you, okay? First, go. Go. Go from this place. Go from this place of humiliation, condemnation, and shame. 
because of what you've done or because of what's been done to you. Some of you are stuck. You are stuck. You haven't been able to crawl your way out of a hole that you've been in. You are emotionally, relationally, and spiritually stripped, and you are left to wither and fade. Today, Jesus looks you in the eye and says, go. Go from this dust. Go from this dirt. Go from this place of embarrassment, humiliation. Get up. Your tomorrow is not like your yesterday. Go. He says to you, go from these people who remind you of your sins and want to condemn you. Arrogant, pious church people who think they have the right to throw rocks at you, judge you. And trust me, church people got a lot of rocks. And they got good aim. They've been practicing for years, waiting to throw a rock. They got big rocks for the big sins and little rocks for the little sins and all kinds of rocks for the sins in between. And they can hit you up close, far away, or even around a corner. They are good and they rarely miss. Get away from them. What did Jesus do before he spoke to that woman? He ran every one of the condemning religious people away. He ran them away. Some of the best things you can do, some of the healthiest actions you can take is to leave that group of pious, holier-than-thou church people. Not because church in general isn't a good thing, but because that specific group of people are dangerous. Go. Go into your future with renewed hope and faith, knowing tomorrow will be better than today. You don't have to keep giving in to that behavior. You don't have to keep saying yes to that person. You can walk away. You can be free. You are not a slave. Yes, You've had a thousand bad days, but tomorrow does not have to be one of them. You can get up and go. Go. And sin no more. I want to address sin for just a moment, okay? This is not an exhaustive teaching on sin. But I want to talk about it because I think it's going to help some of us. There are many behaviors people label as sin that are not necessarily sinful. Many behaviors are just neutral, but we can make them sinful. For instance, making money is not sinful. Making a lot of money is not sinful, but we can become greedy people and worship money and use money to compel and control and manipulate other people, therefore making it sinful. Food is not sinful, but. Drinking is not sinful, but. Sex is not sinful, but. Politics are not sinful, but taking medication is not sinful, but. I mean, we can go down a long list. I think you get the idea. And some things may be good for me, but not okay for you. And other things may be a problem for you, but not for me. So the best question is not, is this particular thing sinful? The best question is, is this an issue for me? Is this a problem for me? Because I've had to learn that some things I just can't do. I just can't do it. That's all there is to it. I can't do it. Scott can't do it. I didn't say you. I said me. I want to be a free man. 
I want to experience all of life without any chains, without any addictions, without any compulsive behaviors. So there are some things in my life I have to walk away from. So Jesus looks at you. He calls your name. And he says, you go and sin. And that's going to look a little different in you than it does for me. And people just want to know, but I just, I just want to know, is it sinful? That's not the question. Yeah, yeah I, just, I don't want to think. I don't want to work my way through. I just want to know. Just tell me. What's the list? What's the rules? Where are the boundaries? Just tell me. Is that sinful? Is it not sinful? No, 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 no. Listen, you have a mind. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Work it out. It's going to look different for you than it is going to look different for me. Yes, there are some things that are absolutely certain. We know that's destructive, that's horrible, that's terrible, that's wicked, that's evil. But there are a thousand things that we are in gray areas. And I'm not going to judge you and you're not going to judge me. We're going to love one another and we're going to help pick people off the dirt and send them on their way in a positive and hopeful way that tomorrow can be better than their yesterday. Some things I just got to walk away from. Some things you got to walk away from. It's called maturing. It's called growing up. It's called listening to the Spirit of God in your life. Go and sin no more. Here's that word again, boundaries. I want you to listen very carefully, okay? If you have dark secrets and those dark secrets are sinful, you will not simply walk away and never struggle again. You got to have some boundaries in your life. And I'm not talking about hard rules, strict laws, accountability partners. We, we, you know, that's, a lot of that stuff's completely overrated. Rules, laws, partners have a place, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about something inside of you determining enough is enough. You're done. I'm done living like this. I'm, I'm tired of being tired. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of always thinking about that thing, always craving something else, always wishing I was somewhere else. I think when Jesus looked at that lady in the dust that day, packed within his words were an attitude and an idea of, aren't you tired of living like this? Look at where it brought you. Are you sick of trying your best to make other people happy and bringing just pleasure to your life? Look where you are. You don't have to live like this anymore. I want to see that happen inside of you. That passion, that desire to say, I'm done. I'm tired of the drama. Don't you just get tired of the drama? I'm tired of chasing the fantasy. I'm, I'm tired of being discontent. I'm sick of bad attitudes. I'm, I'm sick of arguments. I'm, I'm sick and tired of always needing a fix, a high, a, another experience. I'm done. Done. Can you dream beyond your darkest secret? Can you see a life on the other side of the street in the afternoon covered in dirt? and tears, and people gathered around you with rocks. We're going to close in a moment. And as I close, I want to give you three encouraging thoughts. Because there are some of you gathered in this room, you're like, man, he's reading my mail today. You're feeling nervous. You got some sweat in your palms. You got some 
not butterflies, eagles, float, flying around in your stomach. And you're just like, I don't know, you know. And you might feel some guilt. I don't want you to feel that, but you might. You might feel the weight of maybe something you're doing or have done or somebody else is doing to you or whatever. I don't know. Childhood issues, first marriage issues. I don't know. I want to encourage you because I don't want you to leave here without good news. Three thoughts real quick. Number one, everyone who judges you is guilty. Everyone. No one has the moral integrity to throw a rock at you. And if anyone picks up a rock of judgment to throw in your direction, do listen to me very carefully. If anyone picks up a rock to throw in your direction, if her sins were shown up here, if his thoughts were displayed, if their darkest secrets were out in the open, you would hear rocks dropping everywhere. And the only one that day, the only one standing in that crowd who had the moral integrity to throw a rock at her didn't. Jesus. No one is worthy of judging you. Number two, Jesus believes in you more than you believe in you. In the dust that afternoon, that woman cowers. She's guilty. She's dirty. She's sinful. She's broken. She's humiliated. Wishing she could die, knowing that this sin is probably only one of many sins for which she is responsible. And Jesus walks over to her in her weakest and most vulnerable moment and believes in her. Think about that. Go and sin no more. I believe you. I believe your choices for tomorrow will be better than your choices for yesterday. I know you are more than what everybody else sees here. I believe in you. I know you don't think you can do it, but I do. I know you think you're nothing but a failure, but I see more than that. I know you think you're going to live this lifestyle forever, but I believe everything can be different. Go. I've ran them all away. Go. Tomorrow is a new day. My mercies are new every single day. Get up. This is it. This is your moment. Jesus esteemed her by believing in her. Go and sin no more. I believe in you. I believe in your choices for tomorrow. I believe you're more than what everybody sees. And number three, this is your opportunity. Go for it. Maybe right now, you're not exposed. Maybe, maybe, maybe right now the humiliation hasn't come your way. Listen, your, your marriage is still together. You, you continue to have your kids. You haven't been fired. You're not overdosed. You're not yet bankrupt. You still have your health. Do the right thing. This is the moment. This is your opportunity. I've done everything I can to have the rocks dropped. You got another day. Go for it. Go for it. You see, I, ha I have a dream for you. I have, I have a dream for Forest Park. 
I, I dream of a day when, when people calling Forest Park Church home, the people who call this place home, walk in freedom. I mean freedom, freedom from anything controlling them. Freedom from their past mistakes, their present behaviors, their future fears, their gaslighting family members, their controlling spouses, their poisonous religious upbringings, their mean selfish friends, their stupid decisions, their sinful choices, their devastating addictions, everything. I dream we as a church drop every single rock and we believe in others like Jesus believed in this woman. Do you realize that he walked over to a woman who was guilty, who probably had slept with many different people, possibly broke up many different marriages, possibly blew up her own marriage, probably had a history of all kinds of sin, and he believed in her, and if he can believe in her, surely we can believe in one another. I dream that we will believe the words Jesus spoke in our ears when we're lying in the dust of our own poor choices. And we will hear it echo over and over and over again. Scott, go and sin no more. You put your name there, go and sin no more. Don't live like this, you don't have to. I called you, I've gifted you, I made you. Go, go. There is freedom beyond your darkest secret. And that freedom begins right now. Our band is gonna come and close us in a song and as they sing this, I want whatever needs to happen to happen. Some of you are going to sing along. Some of you are just going to sit and think. Some of you are just going to be thankful that God's mercy has appeared to you. Others of you are going to need to just reflect and pray and say, God, what's my next move? What's my next step? Some of you are going to get up out of the dust because that's exactly where you feel as if you are right now. And hope is going to come. Because God's mercy is abundant and his mercy is available to you. what the mercy of God can do. And I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. 
And I'm so glad that my freedom isn't based on what I've done. His goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. There's so much power in the blood. thought I deserved to be six feet beneath the earth for all the things I've done, the things I've said, the choices made that I regret. Oh, I'd still be But for the mercy of God, but I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. And I'm so glad that my freedom isn't based on what I've done. His goodness and mercy and the power of the blood.
online who feel as if they are in the dust today. They made some very poor decisions and done some things that have brought a lot of weight, guilt, pain, regret into their lives. Oh, speak hope to them. Mercy to them. Whisper to them exactly what they need to hear. You know them. You know the pain of their past. You know the weakness of the flesh. You know the mess we get ourselves in. And there's nothing but compassion and mercy in you. Speak. Speak into their lives hope. Speak into their lives mercy. Speak into their lives grace. And Father, though there may be a few of us gathered in this room, we've, we've got a rock in our hand. We're ready to throw it at somebody who's hurt us. We're ready to throw it at somebody who we think deserve judgment. Show us how much mercy we still need. Show us our own weaknesses and our own failures. God, cause those rocks to drop. May we run to one another in the dirt. May we pick one another up and love one another. May we hold one another and encourage one another and send each other on our ways filled with dreams again. Dreams of a bright tomorrow. Not because we won't have any trouble, not because we won't have a hard road, but because you are with us in the tomorrow. You hold our hands and you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. He'll be with us even when we feel as if we are right on the edge of the world getting ready to fall off. You'll be there. Now, Father, may mercy reign. Reign in every heart. And may that mercy wash away every sin, every stain, every bit of dirt that we've collected. And may we walk out of this place today filled with hope, life, peace, joy, and a knowledge that we are new in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Thank you for being with us.